Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. issue that should be articulated is AI is kind of a fancy thing. It's, first of all, it's two letters. It means <laughs> artificial intelligence. But ultimately what it is, is it's about machine learning. And so the machine is taught. And part of the issue here is what information is going into the machine that will then determine, and, and we can predict then, if we think about what machine, what information is going in, what then will be produced in terms of decisions and opinions um, that may be made through that process. Let's yeah. look at the polling. We just had it up. Um, his job approval ratings at 42%, 54% disapprove. Look at his economy approval rating. 41% of registered voters say right. they approve of his handling of the economy. I mean, how tough are those numbers? Yeah, those numbers could bump up a little bit or go down a little bit, depending, uh, as you said, what the economy starts to look like as we get closer and closer to the election. So I think if you're the Biden campaign, you definitely want to go on the offense. If you notice, the sale of Bidenomics isn't just about how good the economy is, it's how bad Republicans are. Mm. He talked as much in that speech he gave, I guess it was over a week ago, about how Republicans were too focused on trickle-down economics and tax cuts for the wealthy, trying to make a case similar to what President Obama did in his re-election in 2012, which was, yeah, maybe the economy's getting better. It's not great yet, but if we put it in the hands of Mitt Romney, he's going to look out only for those who are the wealthiest and best connected and the Obama campaign made the case that they were looking out for average Americans. Well, and, and-, and welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It is the 15th of July, year of our Lord, 2023. Sweet God. What is that? What is that? Nibbling babies and smelling them and falling and that vice president... And no, Dems, you're stuck with them. You wanted this shit. This is what you guys wanted. You wanted this clusterfuck of an administration. 
double standards, craziness. It's all you, man. This is what you wanted. This is completely what you wanted. So I stumbled on something. I want to start the show with it today before we get into the usual cocaine and all the other crap that's going on with this fucking administration. Um, this following soundbite about the secret war that the Biden administration has been doing would be an impeachable offense from the media and the Democrats and all the social media crazy far lefties if there was an R behind Biden's name. And this just snuck out on NBC once. Kristen, it's a mission most Americans don't even know is happening. Small, elite teams of U.S. military special operators are fanned out all around the world, working with local partner forces in most cases to battle terror networks. One of the most urgent threats is in Somalia against al-Shabaab. We embedded with U.S. forces training the Danab, elite Somali military troops, as they participated in live fire drills, hand-to-hand combat, and learned how to face their biggest threat from al-Shabaab, roadside bombs or IEDs. Counter IED training takes place here, which is very important in Somalia. This is the senior enlisted Navy SEAL in charge of working with the Somali troops. We cannot identify him for security reasons. IEDs are, pose a significant problem, so some of our troops provide that support as well. And basic marksmanship, uh, patrolling tactics, you know, small, small unit warfare tactics. Officials here say as many as two of every five of these new Danab soldiers will be wounded or killed in combat. About 350 recruits graduated today. They're now Somali special forces and dozens of these men and women will be on the front lines in the battle against Al-Shabaab in a matter of days. Now, in addition to the training, the U.S. military also carries out airstrikes in support of the Somali military. We had a really rare opportunity to speak with the U.S. Navy SEAL who makes the decisions every single day whether to conduct those airstrikes or not. He said the reality is he has to turn down more airstrikes than he approves because of the concern about civilian casualties. But just to give you a sense, there was one of those airstrikes over the weekend. It killed 10 al-Shabaab fighters. It was in support of the Somali military who were under direct threat from that al-Shabaab group. Kristen? Just an extraordinary report there by Courtney Cuby. Thank you, Courtney, for that. The entire episode of Meet the Press reports the secret war on terror is available to stream right now on Peacock or YouTube. What the fuck is that? We're in Somalia? Would that fly with Trump? Would that fly at all? How about with Bush? That's how far our media has gone to just protect an old man that can't walk up a flight of stairs and is extremely creepy around children, women, sniffing, groping. You know, I I watched an old episode from 2019 of SNL and Adam Sandler, surprisingly, during Opera Man, said, Gropa, Gropa. And talked about the age of the two Democrats. They've never done it since. But how 
How is that okay? How is any of this okay? We're fighting secret wars. Now, the following clip from fucking The Day Show surprisingly is asking those questions. You know, we get told all the time that Biden is so squared away and the world is back and we're all awesome and blah, 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 blah. Nothing he's done for Ukraine has worked. It didn't stop the war, hasn't abated the war. We're throwing fucking weapons and bombs and shit and ain't changing shit. So here is the Today Show grilling Blinken on it. But then you're going to hear a CNN reporter. I'm just going to let you listen. Listen to this soundbite. Jesus fucking Christ. question if if the alliance's position is no nato membership until the war ends does that not just incentivize russia to keep it going and going and going since the very thing it fears is that ukraine will be welcomed by nato the u.s has just announced that it will provide so-called cluster munitions to ukraine as you well know these bombs are controversial because they can explode later and after a war after a conflict and hurt civilians and in fact they're banned by more than 100 countries. Our own UN ambassador said last year such bombs have, quote, no place on the battlefield. How do you justify it now? Taking a step back here, I mean, the U.S., I, I understand the argument saying, look, this is a temporary solution. This is a backstop because Ukraine is running low on munitions. However, this war has been going on for 500 days. The West has sent billions of dollars to Ukraine. How do you find yourself in this position where you're essentially out of ammo and having to resolve resort to this highly controversial weapon that is banned by many, many countries, including allies. How do you see this war, this conflict coming to an end when you have, certainly we know Russia's position, but also Ukraine's position, which is we're not giving back one inch of territory, including the Crimean Peninsula. So how do you get these two sides to the table when there's this And if I could also ask you something about happening back home, you're seeing the GOP grappling with tying abortion rights to defense issues, including a block on military promotions by Senator Tuberville. What does this uh, say about U.S. military readiness, readiness, and would you be willing to talk with Tuberville to try to work out some solution? I'd be willing to talk to him if I thought there was any possibility of him changing this ridiculous position he has. He's jeopardizing U.S. security by what he's doing. I expect the Republican Party to stand up, stand up, and do something about it. They, they've within their power to do that. The idea that we don't have a chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff the idea that we have all these all these promotions that are in abeyance right now, that we don't know what's going to happen, the idea that we're injecting into uh, fundamental foreign policy decisions what, in fact, as a domestic social debate on social issues, is bizarre. I don't ever recall that happening, ever. And it's, it's, a, it's, it's just totally irresponsible, in my view. And uh, I, I just think that... Uh, I mean, I'm confident that the mainstream of the Republican Party uh, no longer uh, does not support what he's doing. But they got to stand up. Military readiness. Oh, really? Because there's also the other fight that they want to have 
fucking tranny surgeries and all that fucking shit and the GOP stripping it out. We can't even take care of people like me for fuck's sake, let alone go chop somebody's dick off and make it into a fucking vagina. If anything I've learned in my 20 years in and my 18 years out is that the military is not too good medically. Excuse me. It isn't like we got Dr. McStreamy and Dreamy from fucking Grey's Anatomy up there chopping on you. It's the guys that couldn't go to the good schools. They're chopping on you. Chip Roy brought it up in a hearing, which we'll get to the FBI in a bit, but here's his thoughts. You know, we see you know, the United States Marine Corps putting out, you know, these kinds of... of uh, social media and advertisements. Do you think that makes our military more likely to defeat our enemy? Uh, Mr. Rosendale, can you see this, a rainbow bullets on a, on a helmet? Anything that detracts from um, the mission, which is to protect our nation and make us the most effective fighting force on earth is a distraction and a waste of money. Uh, I would ask Mr. Davidson, I know you served in, in the armed forces, um, and Mr. James, I believe you did as well. I mean. You see uh, members, for example, here in the United States Air Force saluting the, you know, pride flag in social media. Is that, I think, beneficial to the cohesion of our United States military? Do you think that makes our military more effective and more likely to defeat our enemies? Yeah, I actually have a, uh, an amendment, the, the old glory uh, uh, amendment that would require that the only flag flown on our installations is the United States flag. Uh, we don't need to be flying the pride flag. It's meant to divide. It's not meant to heal and unite. And frankly, it co-ops, uh, you know, God's symbol of the rainbow uh, to promote an agenda hostile to that uh, doctrine. So I don't think it brings people together. I think it divides people. I'm telling you, these guys are fucking unbelievable. They're just fucking unbelievable. I mean, just a short segue here um, into we're still in war in Syria. We, we still got troops in Syria. The Army experienced the highest increase in suicides where 49 service members died by suicide in the first three months of 2023 compared to 37 a year ago. This comes as the service still waits for a suicide prevention regulation. An Army spokesman sent an email that the service is working urgently but deliberately to complete this effort. Army Times reported previous delays and how the service blocked public access to the report. The Marine Corps also experienced an increase from eight deaths to 14, while the Space Force and Navy saw no increase from year to year. The Air Force saw a small increase from 16 to 17. Deaths by suicide, the military reserve components stayed the same in the first three months of 2022 and 2023, with 41 service members. This is the largest number of deaths by suicide in a single quarter since the second quarter in 2021, when 97 died. Think the media is covering that at all? Oh, no. What's keeping veterans from recommending military service? Improved pay isn't going to bring in recruits whose primary reason for joining has been love of country and family tradition. And, of course, it's behind the payroll, so I can't read it. But I'm sure it's along these lines. Army Secretary blames right-wing anti-woke rhetoric for military recruiting outrows. Yeah, I, I just, I just read that. 
The Army's top civilian leader... Close. Get the fuck out of here. Army top civilian leader pushed back. Republic of criticism. The military is going too woke, arguing such critiques are deepening the already troubling group. I think one of the things that we see that's contributing to decline and trust the military is a concern on both sides of the aisle about politicization of military leaders. I think the more our military leaders are sort of dragged into spaces that have been politicized like that, I think the more it contributes to this perception that they're political when they really aren't. So I hope that we don't see more of the kind of talk that's been out there in the past few days. What I'm trying to do is talk about now how that drip, drip, drip of criticism about the woke military, I do think it's having some counterproductive effects on recruitment, Warmoth said. Maybe it's because Milley literally went out and said everybody who voted for Trump was a fucking Nazi. I mean, that could affect recruitment. I don't know. Not an expert. I just served 20 years and know that's probably a big turnoff. How about this? Still doing it. It's outlawed. Bases are still doing drag. Another arm article from this is from military.com. Army cautiously jabbing back at GOP. Chastises military as woke. We are a ready army, not a woke army, Secretary Warmoth told reporters. What I'm trying to talk about now is that drip, 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 and you're a fucking bitch. Think they're covering it? Nope. Failed recruits approved more deadly. Here's some mem- military members who turned extremist. Media ignore this. Army veteran who crashed Humvee was medically retired and helped other veterans. Traymon Lucy served in the Army from 2002 to 13, during which he deployed to Iraq twice. But he's African-American, so the story went away like the fucking bathwater. Just bye-bye. He's not going to show up on the here extremist. Nope. Because, you know, we're not woke. How about this? Fort Knox cadets taste army life. Expired MREs and bad water. Some of them left. Yeah, but we're not fucked up. Okay. Debate on Army fitness test takes new turn. Chief nominee testimony, and it isn't going well because he's basically saying you can't have a one-gender PT test like the left wants. You just can't. It doesn't exist. Then to something that has really... Well, did I get this one? Yeah, I already got that one. Movie comes out. Cliff Note. Movie's about how fucking... Child and sex trafficking is so fucking bad. Of course, the media doesn't want that story to be out there because Biden's responsible for that story. Rolling Stones, to those sounds of adults will absorb sound of freedom, the vigilante fever dream, and come away thinking themselves better informed on a hidden civilization crisis, well, it's profoundly depressing. Worse still, they want to spread the word. Within this, they talk about 
QAnon. Because facts correlated with QAnon. Facts. So, of course, you know, sorry, I'm going to take my medicine. I've had an <clears throat> interesting first last couple days because I'm trying food, like normal food, and my body does not like food. So I get these weird moments like this morning when I just have some fruit and a couple cereal bars and the whole fucking kick caboodle goes crazy. All right, now that I made a bunch of noise, this probably wasn't very nice if you're listening. Because facts get in the way of politics, of course, Rolling Stones, everybody's going to destroy this movie, which is kicking everybody's ass in the box office. And I can't wait to watch it because it's made by Angel Films, which is a religious firm. Casaveos is a religious person. Here's a motherfucker who wrote the article. My slut moment. I'm not even going to read the article. What it really comes down to, I wish Jam Cavano's QAnon-ish child tra- trafficking drama, Sound of Freedom, with the kind of muttering, coughing, amen, bellowing boomers who have made it right-wing indie hit. Hard to overstate just how disgusting it was. Sound of Freedom is a superhero movie for dads with brain worms. The QAnon-tinged thriller about child traffic is designed to appeal to the conscience of spiritually adult boomers. Yeah. That's, uh, that's how they covered it. Because, you know, facts or our agenda. You know, what is this saying? A clock's right twice a day? Theoretically, a broken clock. Yeah, probably should put the broken in there. But because QAnon guys were talking about child sex trafficking, which is a real fucking thing, and some psycho went to a pizza joint, and then we made 45 fucking documentaries about that pizza joint. Of course, a movie that's highlighting what Biden and the left is doing so they can rig elections forever and get 6.5 million new voters... Oh, God, we can't have that. We just can't have that. No. So, I'm not going to... Like Cocaine Bear, I'm not covering cocaine. But I am going to play um, this soundbite by these skanky fucking whore-bait witches on The View. People in those positions cannot be doing drugs. Our adversaries could exploit it. It's it's not a small deal. So I don't who think did it? To the so who did? That's the thing. It's like cocaine gate. We don't know who did this. I'm thinking maybe it's a tourist, a stupid tourist, a, a guest, somebody like that. And you've got to put your phone there. You've got to put your bags oh, there. <laughs> you got to you got to put stuff there. And so somebody just you know who they brings left, their yeah, cocaine to the white house? They left their stash. They let, let's show. Them. 
So, well, is, this, listen, so want... is this more fodder for the Republican machine, no conspiracy what, machine? No matter what the, the answer would have been, they were always going to blame uh, Hunter Biden. As I said before, and I'm going to continue saying, we're going to see it for the next year. They are weaponizing Hunter Biden against his dad as an effective tool to get his dad to lose his cool and to get his dad to, you know, feel the heartache. They're going to weaponize Hunter Biden. It has nothing to do with Hunter Biden, but you can hear that said a hundred times. And people who want to believe it are still going to believe that. Well, okay. And there's people who might believe that it was planted for somebody mm -hmm. so that then they could advance the Hunter Biden narrative. Who knows? Yeah, that's it. That That's completely it, man. It was planted, brah. How about this? We have been spending the last fucking month with the media all in assault on Republican Supreme Court justices. So then we find out that this lump of shit, which is a complete activist, that if she was a Republican nominee, there was no way in hell she'd ever get confirmed because she was all activists all the time. She was forcing fucking libraries and schools to buy her book. The scrutiny over U.S. Supreme Court justices is now centered on one of the progressive justices. The Associated Press reports Justice Sonia Sotomayor's staff prodded public institutions where she was set to visit to buy her memoir or her children's book. The AP looked through more than 100 open records requests. It reports Sotomayor made at least $3.7 million from her books since joining the court in 2000. And then we get to the FBI hearings. You know, I thought about this the other day. I was actually out talking to somebody, and um, we were both, you know, vets, older, and we're like, I never thought in my lifetime that I wouldn't trust the government. Um, you know, I was a vet. I worked for the government, and I believed in law enforcement and the FBI and I I thought they were all good and now I'm 55 about to be 56 which is fucking old god just so old um, sometimes I see my face in the mirror and I, I literally don't know who the fuck that is because I look like my grandpa, which isn't bad. Grandpa Coke. I loved him. Um, he said things to me that I needed at a time I really needed it. Because I didn't have a father who uh, said things like that. And, man, I don't, I don't trust these motherfuckers. I, I don't trust any of them. Um, so, I, I have taken some choice cuts from the hearings um, and then we'll discuss. Former Capitol Police Chief Stephen Sun reported, uh, uh, reportedly has asserted that the protest crowd was filled with federal agents. Um, are you aware of his assertion? I am not. Um, would you agree with him that it was filled with federal agents on January 6th. I, I would really have to see more closely exactly what he said and get the full context to be able to evaluate it. 
How many agents were actually uh, agents or uh, human resources were present in the Capitol complex and vicinity on January 6th? Well, again, it's going to get confusing because it depends on when we, we deployed and responded to the breach uh, that occurred. How, how, Obviously, how many, there were, how many there were, were under federal agents. Sure. Uh, Go, you know, yeah, you're talking, you, 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 and you and I both know what we're talking different things here. And, and I, please don't, don't distract here because we're focusing on that those who were there in an undercover capacity on January 6th, how many were there? Uh, again, I, I'm not sure that I can give you that number as I sit here. I'm not sure there were undercover agents uh, on scene. You, I'm, I find that kind of a remarkable statement, Director. At this point, you don't know whether there were un undercover federal agents, FBI agents, in the crowd or in the Capitol on January 6th. I say that because I want to be very careful. There have been a number of court filings related to some of these topics, and I want to make sure that I stick within what's in I, I understand that. FBI's mission is to protect the American people and uphold the U.S. Constitution, correct? Yes. Okay. So we had a couple years ago, it was in hearing, and I actually, looking on all of the concerns that I've seen was really warrantless surveillance and uh, abuses of uh, Section 702 of FISA. I compare your agency to KGB and spending two years in this committee and reading a lot of reports now, doing a lot of hearings, I am really shocked that your agency is involved not just unlawful surveillance of American citizens, intimidation of American citizens, censorship of American citizens, potential cover-ups of convenient political figures and potential setups of inconvenient political figures. And a lot of my colleagues ask a lot of questions, but I think when we look at that, and unfortunately we haven't been doing our job authorizing spending, which was not authorized by our committee already for over a decade, we're going to have this serious conversation and in including reauthorization of Section 702. But I want to talk about follow-up on some other issues that you mentioned about that my colleagues I was talking about, and you mentioned that you focus on malign foreign actors. So in Durham report, which describes 2020, he states, and this is a quote, steel subsources could have been compromised by the Russians. FBI never gave appropriate consideration to the possibility that the steel reports was Russian disinformation. No vetting happened. You have some falsified FISA court application. You have some very shady you know, confidential human sources that you kept paying for them, nothing was vetted. Some of your head of counterintelligence division was accused of taking money from Russian oligarchs just recently this year. So you said it all was bad. Now we go to 2022. Your agency is involved with SBU, Security Service of Ukraine, you know, to actually provide information to Big Tap to censor just views of American people. No vetting seems as happening. You know, this is information, actually a lot of this information was pro-Russian against Ukraine and pro-Putin. Your agents just pass it along. It seems like nothing happened. And it's interesting for me that, you know, when I raised some issue, actually beginning of July and what's happening in Ukraine, I don't have any confidential human sources, just using common sense and intelligence that something is wrong happening in Ukraine. It seems like there is a lot of infiltration. I was attacked, oh my gosh, how can you question? Well, strangely enough, you know, after me raising this question in the middle of July, President Zelensky fired his SBU top guy, opens up. Most Americans don't realize, I don't think, 
that U.S. companies doing business in China are required to have joint venture agreements. That's been around since 2017 or 18, I believe. And it requires the uh, Chinese Communist Party to have political cells within these uh, enterprises, American enterprises in China. In the last few weeks, it has come to my attention that they've taken that up a notch and actually gone further, the Chinese have, and said that not only must they be present and have access, but they now control um, these American businesses. So they're, in essence, nationalizing American enterprises in China. And the CEOs I've talked to are afraid to say something. They say they've come to the FBI. The FBI, I think, um, is aware of this. I'm, I'm about to turn it over to you. Um, my question is, is this happening, and what can be done about it? What do we need to do about it? Well, I think you've, you've put your finger on a very important issue, and frankly, one that does not get the attention that it really deserves. So I appreciate you bringing it up. Uh, I will say that, in my view, there is no country, none, that presents a broader, more comprehensive threat to our ideas, our innovation, our economic security than the Chinese government and the Chinese Communist Party. And in many ways, it represents I think, the defining threat of our era. And when it comes specifically to the business community, while there's no law against joint ventures, uh, the problem that we have is that the Chinese government uh, all too often has exploited those joint ventures to then use them as ways to uh, get uh, improper access to companies' uh, secrets and information. Do you find that they have stepped it up, though, to where they are, in essence, nationalizing U.S. companies quietly? In a variety of ways. I hadn't really thought of using that term, but I think you're on to a very important point. I'll give you an example that's, that I think a lot of people in America still don't know about and would be shocked to hear, which is that really any company of any size in China uh, is required, required by Chinese law to have what they uh, quaintly call a committee is essentially a cell inside the company whose sole function is to ensure that company's compliance with Chinese Communist Party orthodoxy. If we tried to install something like that in American companies or if the British tried to do it in British companies or any number of other places, people would go out of their minds, and rightly so. Uh, agreed. Well, thank you. Uh, I'd like to work with you more on that, and I'd uh, yield the balance of my time to the chairman. Thank you. But that's exactly what you did, and the judge said it last week. Every week you were meeting with big tech companies saying, hey, look at this. This violates your policy. Take this speech of Americans down. You were doing the same darn thing you just described the Chinese about. And can we put up the email that Mr. Nadler entered into the uh, unanimous consent request? Can we put this up from the FBI to Bank of America? Because I want to know something. This is the full email. Go to the bullet point where it says, any historical purchase going back six months generally for weapons, weapons-related vendor purchase. you see that, Director? You see that bullet point, the one that says any in all caps, that bullet point? This is the email. How did you know? How would you know if it's a firearm purchase? How is the FBI going to know this? Would you put your mic on, please? I'm sorry. I'm not going to start engaging on specific correspondence. I don't have the whole string here. As I've said before, my understanding is that our engagement with Bank of America was lawful, but that we also took steps, as we discussed in our earlier exchange. Well, if it's lawful, why'd you take steps not to use the material? You can't have it both ways. I, I disagree with that, actually. You've, really? There are, plenty of th there are plenty of things that we lawfully can do that we decide are better not to do, and that, that's my understanding is what happened here. Wow.
Wow. Folks, um, I know that last one's a little long, but for God's sake, they don't answer shit anymore. And if you really want to break down to the, the, you know, nuts and bolts of it, they were part of January 6th. They've admitted so. Katie Pavlich, FBI director, just real bank information is turned over to the Bureau all the time without a warrant and won't save FBI's purchasing location data of Americans from commercial services. It violates the Fourth Amendment. All of this is garbage. But you know how the media covered it. At the Capitol Hill tonight, where FBI Director Christopher Wray was grilled today on the Hill, the director who was appointed by former President Trump. But it was the Republicans today who accused him of going after Trump and protecting the Bidens. How he answered Rachel Scott on the Hill Force. Tonight, FBI Director Christopher Wray, who was appointed by Donald Trump, called to testify on Capitol Hill, defending his agency and his record against Republican attacks. Today's FBI leaders reflect the best of our organization, an organization that is made up of 38,000 men and women who are patriots, professionals, and dedicated public servants. And that is the real FBI. House Republicans accusing Ray of weaponizing the agency, criticizing the FBI for searching former President Trump's home in search of classified documents. You have personally worked to weaponize the FBI against conservatives. But Democrats asking Ray about where that highly confidential information was stored. Director Ray, a ballroom, a bathroom, a bedroom, are those appropriate places to store classified confidential information? Well, again, I don't want to be commenting on the pending case, but I will say that there are specific rules about where to store classified information. In my experience, ballrooms, bathrooms, and bedrooms are not skiffs. Republicans accusing Ray of going after Trump, but protecting President Biden. Are you protecting the Bidens? Absolutely not. In fact, just weeks ago, President Biden's son Hunter pleading guilty to tax charges and reaching a deal to avoid prosecution on a separate gun charge. And in a heated exchange, Ray, who was a registered Republican, firing back against any allegations, he is biased. The idea that I'm biased against conservatives uh, seems somewhat insane to me, uh, given my own personal background. Tonight, the FBI Agents Association issuing a statement in support. Well, you know, I'm glad you raised that on the follow-up because I I heard both Frank and Joyce making the very cogent point about an attack on a democratic institution. The FBI is the investigative arm of the Department of Justice, a hallowed institution that is supposed to be above fear, above favor. They investigate a crime. They investigate the facts. They don't target people will. All right. I, um... Finished the podcast, went back, and somehow, some way, some of the sound bites got eaten. So, I'm reconstructing, which sucks so bad when this happens. But do you remember these were the people that said after HRC got the tongue lashing that the FBI was a bunch of fucking Trumpites? They're conservative. We need to disband the FBI. And now the same people are losing their freaking shit 
saying the FBI is holier than thou. And he's just hilarious. But somehow in this, well, he released something I don't think a lot of us knew. Did Joe Biden take uh, payments from Burisma or any other foreign companies as vice president, president, or private citizen Biden? Uh, As you may know, there is an ongoing investigation being led by the U.S. attorney in Delaware, Mr. Weiss, appointed uh, by President Trump in the last administration that our Baltimore field office is working with, and I would refer you to to him as to what, if anything, can be shared. So the president is under, um, he is under um, investigation. I'm not going to confirm or speak to who is or isn't under investigation for what. I'm simply going so to So he's not you, under investigation? I didn't say that either. Uh, by longstanding department policy and practice, I'm okay. not going to be confirming or denying I'll who is or isn't under investigation. Now, this was the point where I actually put up a slide, thank you, Todd, in Oregon, where Democrats are split on this whole thing. I think they understand that he did something wrong. Of course, they don't want Trump to win. But it's just another one of those events that we have that the FBI knows, the DOJ knows, nobody wants to do about it. Media knows they're not doing anything about it. Social media is not doing anything about it. So while this was transpiring, a shitload of media did sound bites like this with one underscore and joy read that the twitter files proved nothing they didn't rig the 2020 election Well, and the thing is, is that, you know, Twitter still is a, a dangerous place in terms of disinformation. We know there, there's lots of disinformation, you know, about Ukraine. There's a lots of Nazi stuff on there. But I wonder if it concentrates it so much that the right wingers get bored of talking to each other, right? When Twitter is getter, they don't want to be on there. They want to be where the liberals are because they want to own the libs. And they can only do that in places where normal people are. And I wonder if they start trying to infect and impact threads the same way and whether there are enough guardrails to keep them from coming over there. Because that's one thing I've noticed. They don't like talking to each other they want to talk to normal people and they can only do that if they break out of their closed platforms and get onto the ones where normal people are yeah it's the ever repeating story of the internet um this is how it's always gone by the way people create these small enclaves where they find themselves to be safe comfortable to have regular conversations for their friends uh and then those places become cool or interesting and people want in on those conversations they want to become part of that community they become bigger and bigger and then eventually they become so big that um, some people with unpopular opinions start to think there's a conspiracy as to why they're getting <laughs> shut down. Sometimes, for example, they create these things called the Twitter files, where they launch GOP congressional investigations to find out why these things are happening. But it turns out maybe their opinions are just not something that people want to listen to. And it's not censorship. It's just, you know, the way it is. It's not. The thing that's so funny about it is... These are the people that talk about dis and miss. They talk about dis and miss all the time. They talk about how Trump was such a horrible person. He was mentally unwell. He was physically unwell. The whole world hated us, even though during that time we didn't have a whole lot of shit going on. There was no war going on like there is right now. And looking back on it and understanding that they tried to get... um, sanctions and nobody played with it this was a really big week for joe scarborough to run his cock trap about how awesome biden is
You know, leadership matters uh, as, as it pertains to the United States as well. And there you see Joe Biden walking out once again. Um, and of course, his critics wondering, you know, making comments about how he walks. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm dead serious, making comments about how he walks. Uh, Finland becomes a member of NATO. How he falls off a bike. Sweden becomes a member of NATO. Uh, how he how, eats an ice cream cone. How, yeah, he eats an ice cream cone. Uh, the United States of America puts together Gene Robinson, uh, perhaps uh, not only the, the greatest alliance in European history in peacetime, but also uh, also around China. I mean, there is a reason. There's a reason why President Xi has been angry at the United States of America, and it's not because we shot down a balloon. It's because we've ramped up pressure on them, and Joe Biden and the Biden administration has strengthened our military uh, relationship with Japan, with the Philippines, with Guam, with Australia, with South Korea. They are getting hemmed in every day, and they don't like it. This is the pivot to Asia that George W. Bush was going to do. This was the pivot to Asia that Barack Obama was going to do. This was the pivot to Asia that Donald Trump was going to do. This is the pivot to, a to Asia that yeah. Joe Biden, a guy who can't really ride a bike that well, his critics will say, that Joe Biden's done. And again, there's so much fluff. There's so much, so, so many points uh, scored on, on style instead of substance. You just look at the results. Look at the results. There's not a across the there's board. just not a comparison to what's yeah. happened over the past two and a half years and really what's what happened. I would totally read his article, but I won't read his article. It's just more the same that everything is perfect. Even though we know it's not, our eyes tell us and that things are not going well. But they just keep building that lie and ignore major stuff. So while we're finding out all sorts of shit, more and more of Hunter's crap is coming up. We haven't found out who did the cocaine. Media was really stressed out. We're going to have this in two parts today. One part's going to be the abortion. Then the next part's going to be the trans. Just obsessed with vets getting abortions. Well, I mean, on the issue of, say, gun laws, you're talking about someone leaving a, a state maybe permanently. We're talking about someone going temporarily for a service. So these are certainly different things. And I'll grant no, you... We're talking, no, what I'm talking about, I'm sorry, I'm talking about the Pentagon starting to pay for soldiers travel and lodging because they don't like an existing local law and we've also well, had the but pentagon let me, but ans can you answer can you answer the can you answer decisions. the sure can you can you answer the question because this is something yeah, obviously sure. that, that that affects uh obviously service members and their ability to serve mm -hmm. and it affects their family members and they do not have a choice obviously on where they are serving you say on the Hyde Amendment, I will grant you that paying these expenses makes it possible, right? Maybe you would, could argue that this enables someone to afford 
to access abortion, but the policy clearly does not violate the Hyde Amendment because it does not pay for the abortion. <laughs> okay, Brianna, that's kind of that's cute and lawyerly. No, we're, we don't have the Defense Department cutting checks to Planned Parenthood. I'll grant you that. But when they're facilitating it with taxpayer dollars, that was certainly the intent of Congress. Uh, and, and that's a lawyerly reading of the law. And at the end of the day, let's have a vote. We're having a vote at the House. Senator Tuberville said, let's have a vote in the Senate. And he'll live with it either way. So the question is, why doesn't Schumer take him up on that? Why doesn't the Pentagon take him up on that? And the reason is, is as you've seen, the administration likes this issue. They like how much your network is covering it, frankly. Uh, and they We're going to go now to Washington, where promotions into the top ranks of the U.S. military have been blocked for months now by one Republican senator in particular. That's Alabama's Tommy Tuberville, who objects to a Pentagon policy maintaining abortion access for service members. The Secretary of Defense, in response, says that the senator's move creates a, quote, clear risk to military readiness. Senator Tim Kaine of Virginia became the latest Democrat to castigate Republican Senator Tommy Tuberville for the hold he has placed placed on senior military promotions. What would it take for you to lift your hold on all these nominations? All they need to do is change it back to where it was. Tuberville is demanding Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin rescind this memo, authorizing paid leave and transportation costs for service members to travel to states where abortion is legal. So far, Tuberville has blocked more than 250 promotions, some of them to major commands around the world, as well as heads of the armed services. Aren't you dragging the military into politics? I want to keep politics out of the military. It is ruining our military. General C.Q. Brown, President Biden's nominee to become the next chairman of the Joint Chiefs, warned of the consequences this hold could have. It has an impact, um, not just for the senior officer, but you know, all their staff and all those below them. And we will lose talent uh, uh, because of uh, those, those challenges. But Tuberville says... This morning, Iowa on the verge of enacting a new restrictive ban on abortion. Back away from it, guys. Despite hours of intense protests and strong debate... The bill is declared to pass the Senate and the title was agreed to. Iowa lawmakers overnight passing legislation blocking the procedure after the detection of cardiac activity, banning abortion at roughly six weeks before most women know they're pregnant. If they're not prepared to have a baby, they shouldn't have sex. Iowa Republicans passed a nearly identical version in 2018 that was quickly blocked by the courts. But that law came before the U.S. Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, and Republicans hope a more conservative state Supreme Court will let this stand. What kind of impact would this have on the abortion care you provide? It would have a huge impact. Um, this would affect almost all the patients that we see. The bill includes exemptions to protect the life of the mother and for rape and incest if reported to law enforcement, public health authorities, or a doctor. If this bill becomes law, women will die in Iowa. Common sense has walked out the door. Iowa's governor promising to sign the bill into law on Friday. Iowa would become the 16th state restricting abortion access to six weeks or less. 14 of those states currently ban the procedure with few exceptions. And as soon as that child is conceived, it is a child, it's a life, and it matters. A March poll showed most Iowans say abortion should be legal in all or most cases, including 70% of women. 
But this morning, the limited providers across the state are scrambling, saying they're unsure of what happens next. I want to continue practicing medicine, and I think the language is so vague that I need to know when I can intervene to save a woman's life. That ban goes into effect immediately after being signed by the governor on Friday. Clinics saying they are already making uh, arrangements, moving up appointments, and making uh, or looking for out-of-state options for women seeking care. Many of the lawmakers yesterday said they expect this to end up right back in the courts. I know I say it an awful lot, but we had a whole election on this in 2008, and we were told that everybody had free birth control. And these are soldiers. The problem is, and why it got out of control for the left, was that they decide to make it just basically first come, first serve, you know, or not first come, first serve, um, without any chain of command. You just get to leave because you say you're getting an abortion. No, you don't even say that. You just demand vacation and you take the fuck off. So it was never going to work. But that's what they want. So going to wade into the gay shit. Um, This first one, I'm sorry. My my wife found it. All I got to say, I actually labeled it. What the fuck? Hey, hey. Hey, bow, 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 Lil pump and cut. Hey, gang shit, 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 gang shit. Good morning, day thirty of Pride, the last day of Pride. It's just wonderful. It has been a fantastic month. I have learned so much about myself and about our community. And uh, just really, really has been a lovely month. And I did my face this morning. Just, you know, just a little something. Because, you know, it's the last day of Pride. And, you know, what better way to piss off some people than put on some makeup on a man. And it's like they done went and lost their shit. So I done put some makeup on a man and going to show them who I is today. So I was like, what are we going to wear? This is an awful lot of makeup for what I decided to wear. But whatevs. Short shorts. And, oh, and I did my eyes a little differently today. I did a, I don't know, really. I, oh, I think I'm getting pretty damn good at this. But I'm going to wear the shirt that, you know, they, them, trans, uh, intersex, bisexual, love, pride, love, diversity, equality, Black Lives Matter, trans people, trans people. Let's not forget about our trans community today. Like, we need to hold them up because they are targeted. They are targeted in our community. And they do not be deserve to be treated any less than human. We are all human and we all deserve to be treated like such. So anyways, I want, I am supporting everyone today and everything on the last day of Pride. I'm so excited. So, um, so that is what I'm wearing. 
So, and these are my shoes, wearing my shoes my friend got me, um, to go with it. Just little Sperry boat shoes, um, with the little rainbow. They're, they're the pride ones. But anyways, so we, today we're just super excited and we're celebrating everything and everyone. And we love, 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 love everything. And I love, love, love y'all. And happy last day of pride. Tomorrow we'll be proud too, but you know. Show yourself a little love. I'm just, I'm excited today. But anyways, I'm running super late, so I got to go to work. Love y'all. But remember, it's not a mental illness. <clears throat> if you say that, you're a piece of fucking shit. What the fuck was that? So, we get back into uh, Libs TikTok, haven't covered in a while. Fort Worth, South Dakota offers a pornographic book, Gender Queer, in the school library. Same one with the dick sucking and the butt fucking. And then we find out that the NEA has decided to make a summer reading list with white fragility. Gender queer. All that stuff. It's all there. She also found another detransitioner who was 15 and basically they did the whole thing by 17. Vasectomy and now she wants to kill herself. You know, that's cool. That's, that's good stuff. Thanks. You know, the Trevor Project, GLAD, HRC, they are preying on children. That's what they're doing. Young kids that are very confused. They don't know what they want. They don't know a lot of things. And they're getting caught up in an incredibly powerful fad. If you really think about it, it is just a huge fad that has gotten out of control. And every time they get pushback on that fad and um, people rightly within their rights go, yeah, I'm not having that. Like Bud Light, the entire social media, media, I want to kill that dog. Um, they support losers like Dylan Mulvaney, who now says she doesn't feel safe. So she is in South America. Hi, is this an okay time? Okay, surprise, I'm in Peru and I'm at Machu Picchu. Isn't this just so beautiful? Um, I'm here by myself and I used to do a ton of solo traveling. I'm telling you, it's the best. If you could ever do a solo trip somewhere, it is such a good way to get to know yourself better. Um, but I came here to feel something, you know what I mean? And I definitely have. I've done shaman ceremonies that were like 10 years worth of therapy. It was wild. Um, I've seen a lot of llamas. And the people here are so kind. I feel very safe here. It's a little sad that I had to leave my country to feel safe, but that will get better eventually. And I am dying for some Trader Joe's rolled chili lime chips. But other than that, I am so content. Still haven't been kissed yet, but I'm holding out hope. And most of all, you know, this trip has just has me feeling like I'm my own best friend again. And that is the best feeling in the world. And I hope that you feel that way about yourself too. And... I love ya. Okay. Bye. Machu Picchu. Wow. Gorgeous. Love ya.
fucking drama queen. It just never ends with her. She wasn't getting any more attention, so she went to South America, made a big deal out of it, knowing that people would pick it up, and now she got the she got the attention she wanted. This was this week, which ended yesterday. It, you know, you got a month, but now you need non-binary awareness, which I don't. I once again don't know what that means. Here's a young turf talking about. Um, a young Turk talking about TERFs and actually pulled patriarchy by gatekeeping femininity, insisting that the boundaries of womanhood are drawn by sexual and or reproductive organs by reinforcing existing gender binaries. TERFs lock women into male gaze, whether for baby making or mere sexualization. What the fuck does any of that mean? Does any anybody know what any of that means? Because I, I clearly have no clue what that all means. But the main focus, as I said earlier, is this. No timeline for trans vet surgeries, VA says, two years after announcing coverage. They're still trying to work out how they can do it, who would get it. It's a money thing. I mean, I've been sick for a long fucking time. Money. But our media, whole cloth, just lost their shit over this subject. It's like, fuck body armor, fuck better weapons. Yeah, changing genitalia. That's what we need to focus on. What now, Dr. Essie? And we're in a, in a post-affirmative action America. What specific steps can institutions take to still work towards that same diversity in medical schools and the medical profession? It's the question we're all asking right now. There are three things that my colleagues and I kind of put forth in uh, op-ed last week around this. And the first is really um, strengthening holistic review, really focusing on the journey that our patients or our students rather take towards becoming physicians and not wholly focused on the MCAT scores, that test that we've taken to get into medical school or their GPAs. Um, we have to ensure that those who are reviewing applications actually are anti-racist in their approach and are able to capture the full breadth of our students' journeys to go towards medicine. The annual defense authorization bill has become the latest battleground after Republicans narrowly passed a series of amendments late last night, including one that would eliminate all Pentagon diversity and inclusion programs. Hardliners also made changes to the bill that include restricting abortion access in the military and ending health coverage for transition su surgeries and hormone treatments for transgender I mean, this troops. This is a bill that has passed for more than 60 years with bipartisan support because at its core, it is about making sure the military, men and women in service, have everything they need to be successful on the battlefield to defend this country. And for a long time, Republicans and Democrats put aside their partisan bickering on the, these topics because they knew that this was essential. And you never wanted to take a vote against the military, right? So you sort of just nodded and kept your head down, did the work, and made sure that all these controversial amendments and issues didn't become part of the debate because everybody understood at the end of the day they were standing up for something bigger than politics. 
That has all changed this week. And we should note that this bill passed out of committee with bipartisan support. This was a bipartisan bill. And over the course of the last week, over the course of the last 24 hours, that has completely changed because McCarthy had a calculation to make. He needed his right flank to be on his side for a myriad of reasons. And I think what's changing is the fact that you have a group of people who have been told no, no, and then yes multiple times. And they've learned that if they throw a fit, they get their way. And we're going to see this play out over the entire course of the spending fight that is coming up this fall. A second, just because yeah, it's legal doesn't make it right. No, 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 <laughs> I'm not, and it and does make point. me think back to the conversations in the 40s about the integration of the military, the racial integration of the military, and how that was going to harm readiness according to the people who were opposed. So there's always this way that... Uh, the House of Representatives passed a sweeping defense authorization bill filled with some controversial amendments, amendments that would dismantle the Department of Defense policy on abortion, which reimburses travel expenses for members of the military or their spouses getting an abortion, uh, amendments that would eliminate the Department of Defense's Office of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, uh, amendments that would ban the use of federal funds uh, for anything having to do with critical race theory, and also removing funding for transgender health procedures. CNN's Manu Raju is getting bipartisan reaction for us now from Capitol Hill. Showcasing the power of the far right and the political calculations of Speaker Kevin McCarthy. The House today approved an $886 billion defense bill, but not before bowing to the demands of conservative hardliners and turning a typically bipartisan affair into a bitter partisan feud. This is an insult to all who serve. The bill, which would set national security priorities and authorize pay raises for troops, was amended on the House floor to include a host of cultural issues. That's because hardliners threatened to block the bill, forcing the Speaker to allow votes on hot-button amendments, including to eliminate the Pentagon's post-roll policy, providing reimbursement for military personnel traveling to get an abortion, and to nix diversity programs at the Pentagon and health care for transgender veterans. Conservatives said the bill goes after the woke military. What traditional East Tennesseans think about um, our military is, is a little different than what some of these bureaucrats and three-star three generals think about it. Just four Democrats voted for it, and four Republicans voted against the bill that passed on the narrowest of margins. The speaker attacking Democrats. So what they're doing is they're turning their backs on the military. That's wrong. Yet even some Republicans who backed the bill expressed frustration. If we want to show America that we can come together and that we care about women, we've got to stop being assholes to women. I think it's a missed opportunity, uh, but par for the course, given the national politics. Democrats expect the Senate will strip out the controversial provisions. But that would mean McCarthy would have to compromise on a final deal something that risks angering the far-right House Freedom Caucus, which has in the past paralyzed the House and could call for a vote seeking McCarthy's ouster. The Freedom Caucus is not known for losing gracefully. Members of the bloc want McCarthy to hold the line. We're not going to just walk in, do a cosmetic negotiation and, and surrender. We are establishing our position on what the Defense Department ought to look like. Now we ought to hold that line. We're going to drive a hard bargain. What if the Speaker does compromise? Uh, we're going to we'll hopefully preempt that. As Democrats revolted, the Speaker wooed his far right, including winning the vote of Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene by promising to make her a key defense bill negotiator with the Senate. So if you voted no, you wouldn't have been on the conference committee? Uh, of course not, because that, that just wouldn't make sense.
Now, the speaker defended his decision to name Marjorie Taylor Greene as part of that conference committee, even though she is not a member of the House Armed Services Committee, and even though she told me she plans to advocate to try to pull back U.S. support for Ukraine and its war against Russia, a position that does not have much support in Congress. He said simply he is naming people who are reflective of the full Republican conference. And also, Jake, he claimed that he is not being driven to the right by his members. He said he's simply allowing the House to work its will. I'm telling you, I was on the Armed Services Committee and appointed there four times. And um, man, I can tell you, Mark McKinnon, nothing drives military leaders, nothing drives the rank and file crazier than people fighting culture wars, uh, uh, basically, uh, in these military uh, funding uh, battles and, and author, you know, whether it's authorizing or appropriating. And all they're doing, and John Thune said it about Tommy Tuberville, all they're doing is, you know, they're hurting America's readiness. And how, I mean, how hypocritical you have Republicans always saying, oh, our military is woke and weak when we're actually stronger than ever. Because Democrats are trying uh, to politicize it and have culture war. No, it's it's Republicans that are literally fighting culture wars instead of funding our troops. Yeah, Joe, I mean, they're clawing their way to the bottom in two ways. First of all, on the issue of abortion, which if, if you saw the Kansas referendum, which is a pretty conservative state, Republicans should have gotten the memo, but clearly they haven't. And at the same time, they're doing it while denying military leadership, which is supposed to be the Republican stronghold on issues. I mean, we grew up with Ronald Reagan and John McCain and the notion that, that the Republicans would be holding up uh, the leadership of the military is so contrary to, you know, the convention. Why is killing babies and changing people's genitals the entire focus? Scarborough slams GOP effort to withdraw U.S. military from culture war. PBS affirms racial quotas for doctors. Diversity saves lives. CNN, GOP for cutting trans surgery for military spending. They pushed Kirby, who surprisingly didn't say anything, really. He kind of just hung out there, which surprised me. Um, but why is that so important to them? Why? It is just, it astounds me that that is the priority for our media, the left. They're just so focused on ingesting that into or injecting that into our military it's a huge priority they want that trans thing man they've been, ever since trump removed it out of what leaders thought and knew other than millie it just didn't work not in combat combat arms I, I, and th and then to make matters worse, they bring back this Rapaho bitch. I am Eloise. I am six. And in that spirit, in today's Meet the Press moment, we are highlighting the power of sports to bring attention to issues off the field. This weekend, U.S. soccer superstar Megan Rapinoe. You probably heard this. She announced her plans to retire. She'll compete in her final World Cup tournament with the national team later this month and finish out the season with her team, the OL Reign. Chuck spoke with Rapino in 2019, fresh off her second World Cup title, about the importance of athletes using their platforms for activism. 
what opportunity do you see here? I mean, do you see it's like, okay, we got the attention. I am going to make these points. I'm going to make these, uh, uh, I am going to make, do this activism. I think the opportunity is in everyone's exhaustion of the fighting and the negative. And our team has managed to make people proud again, to capture people's interest, to make them want to do something. I think people are asking the question, how can we rally around this team? And in that really what the team stands for, whether it's equal pay or racial equality or um, LGBTQ rights. I think we've just managed to give people hope. And with that, now we need to do the next step, which is to, to um, actually take the progress step. You know, um, it's always interesting people like her saying stuff like that as they're stepping out. I mean, they're throwing away. She, does, she doesn't have to compete against men. She wouldn't be for it if she had to. I mean, she just wouldn't. 100% would not be for it. But now, oh, of course. And I, I, in a lifetime, I have watched the left be the champion of women to now saying fuck women. And there's no other better example than this. I stumbled across this on Twitter. It is two cops trying to take down crazy. By no means am I dogging these people because, come on, you know, I, I watched grown men not be able to take crazy down. But it was a liberal, and he posted it. I am Eloise. I am six. Again, used to be the champion of women. Now they just uh, dog women and want to get rid of them. It's just fucking bizarre. Our next is another uh, example of the left taking uh, inane things and making them something. So I'm going to play the soundbite and then we're going to talk about the post. Right? Yes. One of our moms 
in a newsletter post Hitler. Woo! I stand with that mom. Okay, so this is the post, Moms for Liberty Standing from Adolf Hitler. This is what Christo-fascism looks like. Audience cheers after Moms for Liberty co-founder Tiffany Justice noted that a member had quoted Hitler in a newsletter. I stand with that mom. She bragged to applause. The quote was clearly intended as a warning that history's villains sink to control. Matthew Sheffield. This is what Christo-fascism looks like. Audience cheers, blah, 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 blah. The entire world responding. Um... False. It's really disgusting how supposedly respectable journalists are intentionally lying about Moms for Liberty endorsing Hitler. One chapter used a quote from Hitler as an example of what they opposed, not what they stood for. But of course, why would they do it? I mean, this lady, and I, I ran across this one. Let me make it smaller. Today, I walked in a new hospital with hair fresh out of protective style, AFRO, sitting high and wide on top of my head. I checked in with my name and stated my purpose for being here and was sent to patient registration. No, I'm not having a surgery. I'm the surgery. A person's reply. It's very exhausting when every innocuous interaction becomes an aggression or act of racism or some way offensive. Progressivism is a religion in which there are limitless multitudes of sin but no forgiveness. They didn't know who the fuck she was. It's a fucking hospital. There's a shitload of people. And then this. Zoe. Her. Hey, Dad, I want to wear gold clothes. Me. Dude, the same. So when the dad saw that the son became a girl and got a lot of attention, Dad joined. It's a fucking cult. And last article before we go with some fun shit, and this is America. This is from Todd in Oregon. L.A. business owner fed up as city repeatedly target store sidewalk sign instead of homeless camps. Moto style owner Eric Arik Air said he's been ticketed in the past for flying the American flag. Of course, that's, that makes 100 fucking million percent because it's the left. The flag is motherfucking racist. And I just can't anymore. So, for our lighter fare, going to play a little bit of a new Stain song that came out. Man, we were never supposed to get a Stain album ever again, but we did. And then... Uh, Black Rifle Coffee is doing a new campaign called the Boot Campaign, which is really good. So I wanted to play it in total.
something that I knew would be good for me was like getting back under a ruck and just like going. Uh, but I was so broke, I couldn't even buy a pair of boots. And I went to Google and I typed in boots for veterans. And the first thing that popped up was boot campaign. And I fired off an email that day. And by the very next day, I had a phone call. And, um, Uh, from that day, my life changed a lot. We're going to start by talking about footwear and what it can mean from an organization called the Boot Campaign. Tailoring individualized treatment is so important, and I think something that individuals that served our country deserve. There is no silver bullet, magic pill, quick fix that's going to solve these issues. It takes work, and we need those veterans who are willing to put that work in with our guided assistance to make a difference. I just strongly, strongly suggest people, if, if they're on the fence, to, to go to the other side and actually seek help and get help. My name is Shelly Kirkland, and I am the CEO of Boot Campaign. So Boot Campaign began in 2009 after five Texas women read Lone Survivor and wanted to do something to give back to the military community. And they did that by lacing up civilians, influencers, celebrities, and putting on a pair of combat boots was a sign of gratitude. And it grew into a movement, and um, we still stay true to that today, and we encourage those to lace up with us and put on a pair of boots to say thank you. Black Rifle Coffee has been a big supporter of Boot Campaign over the years. We cannot serve the veterans we're serving without the support of corporate organizations like Black Rifle Coffee and all of the employees um, and partners that they have. Matt's been a friend of Boot Campaign for years and very close with several of our board members and has always individually supported our efforts. With his participation, Black Rifle Coffee sort of stepped up um, in a much larger way. It was a natural fit because I personally believe in the organization so much. They're so high rated, they're third party audited, they have, you know, transparent financials and all these things that matter to me. From there, you know, we made the decision on the executive side to, to have an official relationship with Boot Campaign and Black Rifle Coffee. Boot Campaign has two primary focuses in its programs. One is our health and wellness program. That's where we spend the bulk of our energy, effort, and funding. We provide individualized care and programs treatment for veterans. Um, dealing with what we call the big five invisible wounds, PTSD, traumatic brain injury, insomnia, chronic pain, and self-medication. We have a clinical psychologist on staff who really gets to know them, gets to know their history, their service history, and really puts together a treatment pipeline for them with doctors and care providers that are in our organization and across the country. 30 years of being hyper aware and being ready to, you know, moments notice go to conflict paid a toll on me mentally and physically. But because of the individual program that I got from Boot Campaign, uh, allowed me to get into some functional medicine, some out of the normal, you know, treat the problem, not the symptom. It looks at it from a holistic standpoint. I'm in a mentally better place. My soul is in a better place. Less than a year ago, I weighed 310 pounds. And today when I went to the doctor, I weighed 255. By solving those has enabled me to, to function better as a whole. I would say that I've been treated with dignity, respect, true concern, and feel like I've received a hug from the boot campaign staff. I needed that to realize that I needed help. 
One of the main things about Boot Campaign is that everything that we do is individualized. How we serve veterans is individualized, how we work with partners is individualized, um, and how we work with our donors is individualized. We want to make sure that we're building relationships for the long term. And so through our holiday program, Santa Boots, we receive nominations of veterans and active duty families who are experiencing a challenging time. And we get their sizes, their favorite colors, what they like to do, um, both as a family and as individuals. And we have volunteer shoppers that go out and shop for them. We buy everything um, for them that they may want, may need, um, and then basic necessities too. And we send all that to our Dallas-Fort Worth warehouse, where we have groups of thousands of volunteers come in and actually hand wrap each of those gifts. And then we hand deliver them just before the holiday season. It was an incredible Christmas for me and my family. It came at a time in my life where I could barely pay my bills. Just that push that I really needed. Then as I got back on track, they have supported me. You know, that's really what I needed. It changed my life. Our founders were really strategic and smart and really wanted to make sure that our donors' dollars were stewarded well. So we are independently audited every year, and I'm excited to say that in 2022, 91 cents of every dollar was used for veteran programs that we have. Individualized treatment. I think a lot of people that have gone through the VA and other government and or charitable organizations, they're not focusing on the specific cause of the issue. And for me, I've seen a lot of Band-Aids on a bullet hole. And for me, the thing that really stands out for the boot campaign is the care and understanding about you. And I think that just sets the bar so much higher. I think there is still such a stigma associated with seeking help and that many veterans feel like they can't. And as long as we sort of break down those barriers and show that seeking help is actually a sign of strength, that's what's most important. I've seen what good it does for people and they're confident in their health and their well-being, and they have a, a direction and an azimuth towards a better life. And for me, that's, that's absolutely everything. I, I don't know, I can't put the gratitude and, and thankfulness into words that probably will get captured during this interview, but I can't thank them enough. The song is badass and the frickin' campaign is fantastic. So for our lighter, our, sorry, this is America today, PBS. The Statue of Liberty is entangled with whiteness. And then Blitzer lobs softballs to Austin on Pentagon's abortion policy, to which the SecDev literally says, that is a great question. Thanks, Blitz. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. This is America. The Statue of Liberty represented the story of America opening up its doors and becoming a nation of immigrants. But recently, that story has taken a turn. The battle over the Trump administration's zero-tolerance policy on immigration is intensifying. With the Statue of Liberty says, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses, during retreat. I don't want to get off into a whole thing about history here, but the Statue of Liberty is a symbol of liberty enlightening the world. It's a symbol of American liberty lighting the world. The poem that you're referring to that was added later is not actually part of the original Statue of Liberty. And the 
As you look at the Statue of Liberty today, as an American, do you regard it as an important symbol of our country, or do you feel it's a flawed symbol of our country? I think it's both. I mean, I think it is an important symbol of our country, and it's a symbol of the ways in which freedom has often been entangled with whiteness. I don't think you can, I would certainly not advocate getting rid of it, for example, because it's a major part of American history. And the changing images of it are a major part of American history. It's, it's certainly important to me. It's a, important as a symbol of everything that is intrinsically interesting about America, right? Both the good sides and the bad sides. And I think the fact that it does have this multiple kinds of symbolism to it, I think is really fascinating. So let me just say I'm glad it's there. Cruel, inhumane, atrocious, and heartbreaking. Those are just some of the words being used to describe this immigration practice now of separating children from their parents, uh, adding to the outrage pictures from inside a detention center, showing some of those children housed in chain-like cages. Grass, thank you very much. And there you have it. This is a protest on July 4th at the Statue of Liberty, which, with a poem which reads in part, give us your tired and poor, and that protest about immigration, ICE, family separation, etc. It was the 4th of July, and we were protesting the family separation that was unfair to immigrants at the southern border. It began with a group calling itself Rise and Resist, posing in t-shirts reading Abolish Ice, then dropping a banner from the base of the statue reading the same. Another sensitive issue that's come up, and I want to get your thoughts, Republican Senator Tommy Tuberville is blocking military promotions right now, confirmations uh, in, the, in the Senate, uh, because uh, he wants to protest the Pentagon's policy of ensuring abortion access for women who serve in the U.S. Uh, military. Is Senator Tuberville now actively undermining U.S. national security? Oh, thanks, Wolf. This is a national security issue. You know, we just talked about, uh, when we sat down a couple of minutes ago, what a complex uh, environment this is, you know, uh, around, uh, around the world, quite frankly. We see uh, the tough things that we're dealing with in uh, here in Europe as we continue to provide support to Ukraine in its efforts to defend its sovereign territory. Uh, we're working hard to make sure we keep the right balance uh, in, uh, in the Indo-Pacific and, uh, and strengthen our alliances. Uh, and uh, we need leaders to be able to do that. This is a national security issue. It's a readiness issue. And, uh, and we, we shouldn't kid ourselves. And I think uh, any member of the Senate Armed Services Committee knows that. Other conservatives are using the annual Pentagon's defense bill to repeal uh, the Pentagon policy of helping women who serve in the military or serve in the Defense Department get abortions. Uh, is, is that something you're willing to, to deal with and negotiate with them? Well, if we have a policy that uh, enables our, our, our troops to you know, get access to non-covered uh, reproductive health care, and uh, I think that's an important policy. I think uh, our troops don't get, a, uh, get to choose where they're assigned. Uh, and, uh, and certainly, we want to make sure that our, our troops are not disadvantaged because they serve in the military. They have the ability to, uh, to have access to uh, non-covered uh, reproductive health care. One in five of my troops, Wolf, uh, is a woman. And uh, our, our women are, I mean, they provide tremendous value to this force. Uh, I'm proud of them. 
uh, and, uh, and I think we need to do everything we can to take care of them. So the bottom line is that the Pentagon will continue to pay for travel, for example, for women to go to other states if necessary to get an abortion. That's our policy. And that, will and that will continue? To get reproduct non-covered reproductive health care. Uh, I don't have an abortion policy. I have a, a, an access to non-covered. Once again, the purpose of the media is to hold, and they say this all the time, hold the powerful to account. That is like a campaign video. And of course, he's a leftist, so he wants to push unlimited abortion, transgender shit. He doesn't care what happens to the military. He doesn't give a fuck if everybody comes back on a goddamn body bag. And that's exactly what they're pushing for. They don't know that's what they're doing. But when your whole fucking purpose is just leftism and improving the voting demographics for lefties, sweet God, what do you think's going to happen? The next war is not going to be some easy-peasy fucking war. It's going to be the no-shitter war. Full complement of shit coming back at us from air defense to artillery to bombing. We haven't fought a war since 46 or 45. Because 50 wasn't there. They didn't have a whole bunch of goddamn air. China and Russia are no joke. It isn't Iraq. It's not the Taliban. But God bless you. You saw what Obama did with that. Changed the row so we just filled body bags and we gave it back to him because he could. He actually cared more about them and Iran. He didn't want to offend Iran, who was funding the IEDs. I mean, come the fuck on. Just come on. Fucking shit is so frustrating. So that wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Share with your family and friends. Go to SoundCloud. Follow Flyover Politic with the gay. 482467 on Rumble. Email me at foppodcast at gmail.com. This time we're going to go the 19th. I will do it on Wednesday instead of waiting as long as I did. Um... Sorry, I had a lot of fun. We were going out and doing shit and got that new project going and it's a little busy. So, disconnect from your devices. Don't give the yeah yeahs. And I'll see you Wednesday. As always, thanks for listening. Take care. Every death is a tragedy, y'all. Seven lives.